Hello, everyone, and welcome back again to another episode of the Keep It Moving podcast. This is your co-host, Doc Andrew Eccles, and with me, as always, is Ben Eccles. Ben, how you doing? Doing well. Good to see you. Yeah, you too. You too. Um, I'm pretty pumped about what we're talking about today because, I mean, there's there's really a, been a big push of in the past month here with this and and with your experience in this line of work i'm excited to you know pick your brain um, but we're going to be talking about telehealth today and, and virtual healthcare. so ben can we just start off and, and can you explain for the listeners uh, what telehealth is sure yeah so i guess as a general very high up view of telehealth um it's the administration of healthcare um, or health services um via the internet um via uh, you know, using phone, chat, video, um, even online forms and things like that is considered telehealth. Um, so pretty much anything that can utilize the technology of the 21st century, I guess, would be under the umbrella of telehealth. And um, okay. obviously, we could talk about it for literally ever on how it can be applied. But uh, you're right, it's definitely been very popular in the last uh, month or so. Yeah, and I think to that point of application, I mean, we're really finding out more avenues that people are, are um, diving into this right now. And, and to the sake of um, what, we're, what we're mentioning is, is to the listeners out there, the whole COVID pandemic um, that's really hindering healthcare providers on the sake of face-to-face visits and whether that's, you know, government um, mandated or, or clinics are choosing to voluntarily shut their doors to in-person visits, um, but, but maintaining virtual appointments to still, you know, treat people from the sake of you know, whether it's uh, first, you know, that first line of defense, um, which Ben, you have that um, more of the uh, um, experience in that line of, of, you know, having people call in and discuss symptoms before just showing up to the ER, showing up to the hospital. Right. Um, yep. and, and then also to the sake of, and from my line of work and PTs, uh, further implementing telehealth and there was other there's other groups that are, are doing a great job before this was happening but but uh, certainly seeing a lot of people trying to implement more of this um this month and i think it it's only going to be the beginning i mean i really do think as as um healthcare continues to move more main you know every as everything moves more more and more mainstream i think we'll see more virtual healthcare. what do you think i mean absolutely i um you know, I don't. I might be butchering the quote, but I think it's something like innovation comes from need. Um, so I think you know, telehealth is has been around for a while, right? Ever right. since kind of the dawn of the internet, I think the idea um, of of using it in that way has been there. Um, but I think really bringing it into the forefront and, like you said, uh, making it more popular and more heavily utilized is is definitely on the forefront. Um, and people are finding new uses for it. They're finding new ways to administer care. Um, and it's a really, you know, it's, it's a scary time, of course. And, you know, health is definitely very important to both of us, um, for everybody, but it's an exciting time because we know that, you know, some, some great innovation will come from it. Um, so yep. great resilience from, from the smartest people in the world. So we're, uh, we're excited to see where it goes. Yeah, absolutely. And so getting into that, um, you know, since it has been around, but just less talked about, yeah. um, in terms of the relevance of it, you, you know, in providers of old versus those new age medical providers, uh, are, are we finding that the, the providers of old are adapting well 
to this scenario of now, you know, taking on virtual appointments as compared to just doing the face to face, which they were probably much more used to. And then our new age there or new age providers, you know, being more um, more proficient with the sake of a virtual appointment. Right. We see that that transition happening well for everyone. Um, I think it depends. I think, um, you know, I don't know exactly what goes on in the classrooms of our, you know, of our institutions and for those providers, but I don't believe that there's a ton of focus on telehealth at this point. I could definitely be wrong there. Um, but it's definitely a learning curve. And even if you're proficient, you know, with, with your computer at home and with, you know, windows or Excel or whatever it is on, on those job applications that always ask for that kind of stuff. Um, there's definitely always going to be a learning curve. So whether you are really good with technology or whether you aren't really good with technology, um, it's definitely something new that everybody needs to learn. And that's not just providers, right? That's everybody. That's patients that need to get used to it. And they need to, you know, if it's a platform that they're not used to, then there'll be a learning curve for them too. So um, that's one of the roadblocks for sure with telehealth is that people aren't used to it. And a lot of times people don't want to adapt to change as quickly um, as say someone like myself, who I, I, I am really excited by the change of it all. Um, but there's definitely right. more and more acceptance of it on the way. And um, I will say a lot of the younger providers, I think, pick it up a little bit more just because they grew up with a little bit more of the advanced technology that it's used, right? And they're just more used to working a computer every day, um, all day. So it's just, it's one of those things that it's not easy for anybody and I'm, I'm definitely empathetic to that. So I don't, I don't expect anybody to just pick it up on day one, but it's, it's exciting times. Yeah. And, and, and technology is certainly at the forefront of that. I mean, to your point of the, uh, um, you know, the drawbacks is it's hard to have an appointment via virtual healthcare with someone if they don't have the ability to connect to that appointment. I mean, if they don't have a smartphone and they don't have a tablet, I mean, uh, you know, it, it's just not going to happen. So yep. you, then they either have to borrow one or or who knows, you know, the, the scenario they make work. But but there certainly are limitations to that to the sake of um, accessibility. But I, of course, I think that's, that's slowly going out the window because, uh, you know, anyone at this point can get their hands on on or should be able to get their hands on technology sure. um, in some capacity whether that's renting or um you know library um going to computer there granted then we talk about the sake of you know personalized healthcare information blah 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 but exactly but um accessibility is you probably it used to be a big drawback and now is probably something of the past exactly yeah it almost reminds me of the the conversation of you know how TVs used to be so expensive and you know they used to be a thousand dollars for something like a 35 inch TV and now you can go to Walmart or Target and get one for a hundred bucks right so it's it's always going to be hopefully decreasing in price at least for the access of it um it'll be interesting to see now in the next 10 15 years where smartphones go and you know we always think of everybody has a smartphone but that's definitely not the case um so it's it's tough to not make that assumption sometimes just because everybody I work with and everybody, a lot of people that I, I interact with are always on their phone. Uh, but right. some people still, you know, whether they don't have a cell phone at all or just have a flip phone for emergency, emergencies and things like that, uh, you need to be careful how you define access, right? Because telehealth, I think at its core, is going to improve access to healthcare. But we can't forget about those that are a little bit behind or don't have as much access to the technology that we work with. Yep. 
Yep, absolutely. Um, so, so then, you know, when we talk about a, a virtual appointment or a telehealth appointment, um, what services are typically being, you know, provided in this avenue of healthcare? Um, I would say the obvious one is consultative, right? So you are providing your health information to a provider and they are coming back with their health recommendations, whether that's a prescription or some advice on how or what to do. Um, and then they can even, you know, do medication prescriptions and send them to your pharmacy. Um, they can refer you to a high level of care, depending on what provider you're working with. Um, so it's really kind of unlimited what they can do. Obviously, there's certain parts of healthcare that are very, it's very helpful to be in person, um, such as an right. ear check, you know, checking the back of the throat for strep or something like that. So there, it's definitely not um, going away, at least at this point. Um, those kind of in-home needs or, um, you know, in-person needs. Yep. But, um, you know, I, I kind of did a Freudian slip there, but you can you can kind of counteract that with offering something like, you know, home care, um, which, you know, doctor's calls back in the day is how uh, people used to have their health care administered. Now we're kind of more used to going into the clinic, um, but we're seeing that a lot of people like to stay home or like to stay at work for uh, their health care. So it's an interesting concept to provide that kind of stuff. Um but I don't want it to make it seem like clinics are going to go away, right? We talk about right. all these new things that are enabled by technology, food delivery, things like that. It's not like there's never going to be a grocery store again. It's just going to be, you know, it's an ever-shifting thing. So it'll be interesting to see kind of how everything plays out. Well, and I think, you know, to, to then I can speak to my line of work, but this also goes to the doctor's office and the, and the, the in-person visit is, the human interaction, the person-to-person interaction, is so valuable, right? And and to, you know, creating that alliance, creating that you know that face-to-face, like I know this person is is listening to me and understanding me, as compared to you know other when people talk about well, our robots going to you know take over majority of line of work. Yeah, I think there's certainly things that they, that robots can be efficient in, but to the sake of you know being a a robot doctor, I mean, there's just there's so much that that I don't believe in in that scenario because it's how do you program empathy and all that stuff, right? So I mean, when we talk to technology, um, there's many things that could be good for it for the the sake of this, but uh, yeah, I, I agree with you. There's those in person visits definitely aren't going away anytime soon. Yeah, there's definitely a place for them, and I think there always will be. Um, now, that's not to say that they won't decrease over time. Um, I think I'm probably a little bit more bullish on the idea of implementing technology than most. Bullish uh, meaning more, uh, not excited, but I think I, I can give more credit to technology than maybe some other people will in terms of how yeah. it can affect healthcare. Um, you know, we, I, I guess the classic example, at least, from people I've talked to is in things like radiology, how, you know, a lot of technology and a lot of software can read um, x-rays and different imaging very well. And I'm not going to say they're going to read it better than an experienced radiologist. Um, but, you know, over time, technology just gets more and more accurate and more and more advanced. So it'll be interesting to see where it goes. Um, I'm not Nostradamus. I don't want to um, predict the future in any way, but I definitely think that there's a fighting chance that um technology software uh and robots as a general term will um will definitely impact the healthcare system and pretty much every other industry 
Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So then with that being said, and kind of speaking, you know, and alluding to the sake of, of technology getting further and further advanced, where do you see telehealth going in the future? I mean, what, what do you see as kind of whether it's, you know, the, the next stepping stone or even, you know, time down the road? Um, uh, what do you see as, as this um, in terms of growth? Yeah, it's a it's an interesting question, right? Because there's unlimited things we can think about and imagine, right? The the flying car version of healthcare, I don't know what it's going to be. Um, I think it's really important to think about where healthcare has been, right? So let's say 30 years ago, when personal computers weren't really in the mainstream yet, nobody had access to WebMD. Nobody had access to common symptoms for XYZ disease, every disease in the world, right? So you could even think of, you know, things like that as telehealth is absolutely having so much access to that information as a lay person, as a non provider, as just someone that, you know, Joe Schmo on the street can obviously whether this is good or bad, basically self-diagnose what they have. And a lot of times it's inaccurate and that's where the specialty of going to medical school or, you know, graduate school comes in. But I mean, even that is a huge leap and bound from the, amount of access we didn't have back then versus what we have now. So uh, it's it's really kind of crazy to think about where we can be. Um, I think just that access to information, coupling that with what's on the forefront of personalized care versus just, you know, general symptoms and Google searches and things um, right. is going to be really interesting. How that pairs with the provider-patient relationship, I have no idea. Um, whether it's, you know, video calls or constant access via chat or who knows, there's going to be holograms of people. I don't, I mean, you know, I don't, I just don't know. Right. But there's, there's so many different exciting things that we see applied in other industries that I think it's just bound to influence what we do in healthcare. Yeah. I mean, I think the first thing I think of is, is some of the big, um, innovations in the surgical world of, of for for countries that don't have access to surgical options that you may have in the United States we have scenarios where it's uh you know bluetooth or it's either bluetooth or wi-fi enabled to the sake of the the doctor on the United States side is you know basically doing the surgery virtually mm-hmm for someone in um, in another country. And that's just, you know, mind boggling to me. And so when you speak of, you know, the, the tele, you know, or the, um, the hologram, you know, there's probably, it's going to be something that will be almost a, uh, a you know, an in-home um, accessory in everyone's, in everyone's house. I mean, it, it could certainly get to that, to the, to there's just a spot where people, have you know the ability to almost like an alarm system like you know plug into um to a virtual fill in the blank and and they have the ability to get questions answered maybe set up a delivery um yeah i mean and and again the the sky is probably the limit but but yeah it'll be it'll be quite interesting um yeah yeah i mean going back to your point on the the surgery it's it's so cool because they're, and I'm not even going to pretend to um, 
Sam, an expert on this, but with the onset of the 5G network that we're hearing, you know, I think AT&T and Verizon are talking about, um, which is just the increase in data transfer, um, you know, via wireless or via, uh, you know, what we think is the the internet that we use to uh, work our phones. Um, it's just going to have such a large impact on what can be done, um, especially, you know, in, in surgery, we have robots doing surgery already. And while they're controlled by providers, um, I don't know you know, if there will be ever be a robot that can actually do a surgery, whether or not that's the case, like you mentioned, the surgeon could be in, you know, Pebble Beach, uh, after a round of golf and they could be doing the surgery for someone in, you know, Nigeria, China, uh, you know, the Philippines, you know, and it's just Mm -hmm. the access to the highest level of care is going to be so much more accessible for the person that would never have had it 50, 100 years ago, you know? So it's just, right. it's really exciting to even think about. Um, and, you know, it, it's unfortunate that that access isn't here now. And I think we can all agree on that fact, but that's the fact of life. And anything that we can do to make people healthier, make people less sick and have them, you know, live better lives is, is exciting. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and I think to, you know, how, how it's currently being applied across all um, healthcare options. I mean, you, ha- you know, you have the ability right now for the sake of someone can yeah, talk to somebody in real time versus having that, uh, that ability to, you know, plug in your information like, uh, you know, on, on like a my chart type thing. And, and this is sure. what I feel X, Y, Z. This is how long I've been feeling it. Um, you know, here, here's a, you know, example, what I've been noticing over the past couple of days versus past couple of weeks and then having someone get back to you. Right. Um, and it's, uh, to that, remind me a little bit more about what that's called. Sure. Yeah. So the, the term is a synchronous visit versus an asynchronous visit. That's um, right. So synchronous, just for the people listening at home would be something like a live video chat that you're doing with a provider um, or a phone call. Um, so you are giving them information in real time as they are asking you questions and then reacting based on your responses and then likely giving you their medical opinion and possible um, actions right then and there. So it can be done. The, the advantage of it is that it can be done um, in 10, 15 minutes in some cases and the the uh, disadvantages would be something like you are kind of at the whim of the availability between the patient and the provider. I guess that's kind of the main downfall of it. Um, so let's say there's a very busy provider, as many are right now, um, and they just don't have 10 to 15 minutes for a patient that's you know following up on a sore throat or something like that, or upper respiratory problems. Let's, let's make it uh, very, very current. Um, they might have to wait if they want to be seen by their provider and keep that continuity of care. They might have to wait until next Tuesday to be seen for that 10, 15 minutes. Um, right. And that's that's kind of the downfall or the, the negative side to a synchronous visit. Um, the opposite of that, and with, with it comes the opposite cons and the opposite pros, uh, would be an asynchronous visit. So that would be something, like you mentioned, filling out a form um, of kind of your you know recent medical history, um, and then based on your responses, it would be giving you more questions. So it's kind of like a, a smart form in, in the way that it's taking the answers that you give it and then it's asking you more detailed questions to kind of get down to the deeper meaning of it or, you know, kind of trying to diagnose it in that sense. Um, 
The interesting thing about that is that we are not tethered to the patient provider uh, time needing to overlap. So the patient can do that uh, before they go to work in the morning or before they boot up their computer to work from home in the morning. Um, and then whenever that provider has that 10, 15 minutes to look over the responses and then do their research and then come back with an educated uh, medical opinion and uh, treatment plan, they could then do that. And it's right. obviously the con there is that it may take longer for the patient to get a result. However, the access actually would be increased because it would likely come quicker than having to wait until next Tuesday to actually see that person via video or on the phone or something like that. So it's an Absolutely. interesting conversation. Um, obviously, it's important to, to rule the pros and cons and see um, where the patient opinion lies and see where the provider opinion lies. But um, offering both is obviously a best of both worlds scenario. Definitely, definitely. And, and I kind of, you know, see this scenario in the sake of... Um, uh, personally, I see it as a you know a great benefit for anything other than that immediate acute ER need, right? Because obviously, if someone needs to go to the hospital, it's not worth for them to try to create an asynchronous visit or even a synchronous virtual visit if if it's <laughs> if it's a medical emergency. So, so for the sake of uh, that uh, emergency, you know, certainly take all precaution and and uh, and get the proper care but but once we step past that line i mean i i think the the virtual appointment and the telehealth appointment is a fantastic option for for everybody yeah absolutely the emergent cases are still something that are going to be limited um technology wise just because of the fact that sometimes we're playing with life and death and that's not something that we want to do um so we definitely want to encourage anything that is you know deemed emergent or could be thought of as emergent we want uh to get as quick care as possible but Absolutely. other than that yeah i agree yeah and, and so then when we look into the sake of you know if any virtual appointment we're assuming that the healthcare provider is in a you know a safe and um individual space we're assuming that the individual who is looking to receive that healthcare information is also in a similar safe and, um, and, um, personalized space. Yep. But w when we get into the sake of HIPAA law and, uh, and of course keeping patient information theirs, right. Keeping it secure. Yep. Where is the, go where does the government sit? Uh, and is this, is the, you know, as HIPAA is concerned with, um, you know, having someone out loud talking, if this is a synchronous visit, you know, people might be around and can hear that conversation. You hope not. And you hope both sides of the, you know, of the conversation are are in in places where others may not be around. But that's not always the case. So um, where, where are they sitting? Where's the government sitting on these whole HIPAA regulations? Yeah, it's a it's an interesting conversation and one that's very important. Um so a lot of the conversation has to do with the security of the platform that the visit is being administered on. So okay. if it's video, um, it would be something, you know, like whether they can use, you know, the FaceTime on the person's iPhone or if they can use Zoom or if they can use, you know, some something to that nature is a, a video chat platform. Um, okay. And, you know, the ones I just mentioned, I don't believe it. And I'm, I'm definitely not an expert on the HIPAA laws um, that are ever changing at this point. Um, but I don't believe those are 
HIPAA regulated in terms of you, we could not administer um, full-on healthcare opinions and private patient information uh, via those sites. Now, the one the one caveat I will say there is with the uh, current pandemic going on with uh, COVID nineteen, um, I believe the Health and Human Services Department has laxed regulations on that, and I, I want to be careful with how I say it because I don't want to you know suggest things that are untrue. But I believe they have basically made it okay for providers to uh, provide you know their medical opinion and for sensitive patient information to be shared on those platforms at this point, uh, just because of the fact that you know hospitals and clinics are being either closed or overwhelmed, um, yep. and they want to give somebody at least an option to be seen um, and treated by, by a provider. So that definitely won't be forever, at least at this point. Um, I think it's an interesting idea because that shows that the government is willing to accept the fact that, um, you know, telehealth and virtual, um, virtual health can be a legitimate and, um, you know, important factor in providing people the, the healthcare that they need. And in times of crisis, at least they are willing to accept the fact that it, uh, it can do the job. Um, we will see where, where that goes in a year from now and five years from now. But, um, the other point that you mentioned that I wanted to touch on is the security of the location, right? So um, providers making sure that they're in, an, in a room by themselves or they have their headphones in so that nobody can hear what the patient is saying and vice versa. The patient um, has, you know, headphones in or they're in a locked room or, a, you know, a soundproof room. Um, yep. It's really important. Um, it definitely is something that providers take very seriously. Um, so I don't think it would be much of an issue on that end. Um, especially with, you know, healthcare companies that want to continue doing it for a long time. <laughs> um, right. They, they definitely don't want to play and, uh, you know, play with those rules and, um, you know, potentially get in any trouble for that. Um, where it's interesting is the patient side, right? So they maybe want to be treated at work um, or treated in their home with people other than, you know, their spouse or their kids. And even then you might want it to be private. Um, so I think having access to the proper technology, I mentioned headphones, um, is very important. Um, I think a lot of people, at least that have smartphones have headphones that can connect to them. So I think that's a great option. Um, if you don't definitely, you know, maybe even just going into the bathroom to do it or something like that, just to make it a little more private. So you're not doing it, you know, at your cubicle, uh, with all your coworkers around is a, is a smart option, but um, you know, I'm, I'm excited to see if somebody comes up with like a mobile, uh, virtual clinic and it's just basically like a pop-up tent that's soundproof or something. Maybe I just, you know, came up with a new million dollar idea, but there you go. We'll yeah. See. It's like, it's like the, uh, it's like the bathroom stall on the side of this and the side of the street in exactly. Europe. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> um, yeah. Cause I mean, I, I can personally speak a little bit to this with, with PT and, and again, there are PT companies that have been doing telehealth visits now before the pandemic, but, but you really, or I've really noticed a, uh, a huge uptick in outpatient practices, stepping up their, their telehealth, um, platforms. And, and some of that again is because of, um, the, the recommendations for people to stay home and so minimizing that person to person contact um, and you know i I'm stuck in a crossroads on on uh, you know how 
how I view it, uh, but just because physical therapy being one of those those uh, services that uh, there's there's plenty of benefit for the in person component to it, right? That's not to say that it's all that, but but there um, some people do see that the uh, the face to face and the person to person contact. Um, component of a physical therapy visit is is uh, highly needed. Now, it, there's also the sake of um, the exercise progression and conversational um, progression for the sake of, you know, answering uh, what should I go up in this weight if I'm doing this movement or how do I modify doing this specific exercise um, all of that can be done via virtual appointment, which I, I greatly appreciate. And I think that's where a lot of people are utilizing that on. on there's, there's still benefit to the PT appointment to just be able to have it uh, on virtual. It doesn't need to be in person, so to speak, um, to make sure that people are still progressing towards their goals and, and are still working on getting out of pain. But uh, But there's certainly been this big, big uptick. And at the same time, that means that a lot of people have tried to, <laughs> tried to learn very quickly on, on how to manage telehealth. And I think that the insurance companies are the same way and they have um, quickly had to adapt to the influx of, of PT clinics wanting to do more virtual visits. And so the coverage or healthcare, private healthcare coverage and and um, federal healthcare coverage or the sake of Medicare, Medicaid have continued to um, change some verbiage around to the sake of that, we'll, we'll call it that quote unquote lax uh, to whether they're covering more than they were before or they uh, are, are now actually covering it when they truly weren't in the past. So it's uh, quite interesting to see where the PT side of things is going too, because I do think that that's not going away and it will be pretty cool to see uh, where it continues to go. Yeah, I I 100% agree. Um, It'll be interesting because there are definitely going to be parts of healthcare that will adopt more telehealth than not. And then there will be some that don't as much right and as you mentioned there are certain parts of physical therapy you know such as you know the the manual therapy or the manipulations whatever i, I don't know the technical terms for it that's yep you I got it yep. um where you know it's at this point you will need to be in person to do something like that now whether there's some sort of technology that comes out that can you can put on like a like a shirt and it gives you some sort of massage that could emulate manual therapy i don't know you know, that's, that could be coming in the next hundred years. I have no idea. But um, at this point, I think the asynchronous visit or the asynchronous access to providers and to physical therapists is where PT can really take advantage. Um, I think there is a lot of commitment to scheduling an hour visit or a half an hour visit or whatever it is to go into your physical therapy clinic and to ask your questions, right? Even if you like going to physical therapy and even if you do all your exercises and even if you're really diligent about it, that time component is a big commitment for a lot of people because people are busy. So I think having that virtual access to just ask your questions, go over what's been happening, you know, where your improvements are and where you've found difficulties Going through that and then asynchronously getting advice and getting opinion from your physical therapist, I think is going to be a huge, huge thing for the industry in the coming years, uh, just because that access, I think, is so important to so many people. 
and not having to commit all that time driving all of that having to get a babysitter or drop them off drop the kids off at the parents house or something like that i think it's going to be huge so i'm really excited to see where it goes yeah i mean and that's something i you know until you brought it up i wasn't even thinking that route but i could totally understand how that asynchronous appointment or 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 yeah, asynchronous PT yep. um, uh, healthcare could could be really really big because yeah, time time is uh, everyone's most you know um, sought after asset is <laughs> exa- how can I have more time and so I, I totally agree. Yep. Well, Ben, this this has been this has been very insightful. I really appreciate your uh, your in your your expertise in this and um, and I hope our listeners did too. Um, we would like to have everyone make sure to reach out to us if you have any questions on telehealth, virtual health care, or any other uh, topics that you'd like to be, um, that you'd like to hear about, uh, feel free to find us at keepitmovingpodcast at gmail.com. Um, otherwise, you can uh, always reach out to myself at Loon State Physio on Instagram for uh, further rehab content. But um, Ben, Again, always appreciate your time. Thank you for the uh, the diving deep into the the realms of that virtual healthcare. Yeah, it's been and, a pleasure. Yeah, absolutely. And um, and we uh, we hope to uh, hope to continue to see where this goes. I mean, I think, like you said, the uh, the sky's the limit for virtual healthcare. I truly do believe that. Absolutely, and whether it's in person or virtual, want everybody to keep it moving. Absolutely. Thanks again, Ben. And thanks to all the listeners. Remember, you can find us anywhere that you like to listen to your podcasts. And as always, make sure to subscribe if you want to continue to hear the content that Ben and I uh, want to bring to you guys to make sure we keep improving that, uh, that lifestyle that you want to live. And as always, make sure to keep it moving.